This episode of the Unpopular Podcast is brought to you by Brax Candles. If you ever had a long day of work, just a long day period, and want to come home, unwind, to some good scented, great spelling candles, that is Brax Candles. Brax Candles, I have a couple, I use a lot, um, and it is the greatest smelling, greatest, greatest, greatest smelling candles I've ever had. And where do you want, again, that is Brax Candles, where can you find them at? That is Brax, B-R-X, dash candles, C-A-N-D-L-E-S, dot my shopify.com. Again, that is Brax, dash candles, dot my shopify.com. Go get Brax Candles, that is the best smelling candles in the world. Again, that is Brax Candles at Brax, dash candles.myshopify.com go get your Brax candles today oh 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 and if you use the code unpopular you get 10% off again that is 10% off if you use the code unpopular go get your candles today welcome 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 and welcome you to yet another episode of unpopular podcast it's your boy Jalen and there's been a lot of talking this week man there's We've had, we're going to talk about the David Griffin interview when he was pretty much talking about Braun. We're going to talk about the Mellow interview. We're going to talk about the John Wall interview. You know, we're going to talk about contract extensions. We're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about the MLB trade deadline um, or, you know, who won and who lost that. So, again, this is the Unpopular Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. And let's just go off with it, man. Let's start. So, David Griffin, I think it was two interviews. Uh was pretty much saying, well, he came out and said, like, you know, after the Cavaliers won the championship, he knew he was out. Um, LeBron James takes a lot of credit, uh, but not a lot of the blame. He was pretty much throwing dirt on LeBron's name and pretty much saying the reason why I'm out, the reason why I had nothing, I didn't want nothing to do with Cleveland was due to LeBron. After or not nothing to do with Cleveland, but the reason why I was out of Cleveland was I didn't want to deal with LeBron. That's pretty much what he said. Now he came back and I guess uh, backtracked and was like, "Nah, that's not what I meant. I just meant the circus." But nah, that's, he he meant Bron. And it's funny because I have there's two ends of the spectrum that you can think about this. Uh, David Griffin isn't the first person that's come out and said that it's hard being with Braun. You know, my, uh, Pat Riley said the same thing. Uh, Dan, well, no. Kyrie Irving said the same thing. Magic Johnson said the same thing. And when I think about it, it evokes two emotions. It evokes, well... At some point, Braun, you gotta look at yourself and be like, all right, maybe it is difficult. Maybe, maybe it is difficult to play with myself. Or maybe it's difficult for me on my team. You know, maybe it's difficult. Maybe I need to pull back a little, especially being in what, this is year 17? <laughs> maybe it is difficult for me to, to you know, or, or maybe it, I make it a little hard for people to play with me. You know, <laughs> Self, self, you know, self-realization and self-adjustment is always the best adjustment. You know, it's like you have to, or, or, or self-honesty is always the best honesty. You got to be honest with yourself. You know, not everyone. If everyone says that you stink, 
you don't smell like roses, my G. You stink. So maybe maybe Braun gotta look look himself in the eye and be like, hey, like, what's going on? Like what what maybe maybe it is me, you know? Not saying he hasn't been successful or anything, but maybe he is a little difficult to play with. Or maybe he's a little difficult to manage or coach. Never know. Then on the flip side of that, I thought to myself, but wait. Many people sit here and debate if LeBron James is the best player of all time. I have him at least top two. And maybe, I I said this once before in a uh, previous podcast episode, that it's tough playing with greatness. It's tough playing with a player that is great. Hell, look at listen. Just look at the summer stories playing with with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, st- I think he broke Steve Kerr's nose in practice fighting. Uh, he had multiple practices where he would yell at his teammates or he would yell at his coaches. And he co- he was coached by Pat Riley, not Pat Riley. He was coached by uh, Phil Jackson. Look at Kobe. There are multiple stories of hell. We saw a video of Kobe. Walking out of practice, I'm not about to practice with these bums. You know what I'm saying? You know, we have the Smush Parker incidents. We have Dwight Howard incidents. We have Kwame Brown incidents. We have multiple players pretty much coming out and saying Kobe was tough to play with. But on the flip side, they're all great. I would want a Kobe on my team any day. I would want, of course, Jordan on my team any day. I would want a LeBron on my team any day. Maybe... They are taking for granted just how great these players are. Hell, LeBron James has been to nine, I believe eight straight finals. Well, before last year. He was in eight straight finals. LeBron James has played like at least top five minutes in the league ever. And he's by the time it's over, he's going to play the most minutes ever. I was thinking, maybe, maybe... Playing with greatness. See, I, I, I'm not comparing him to LeBron at all. But I had a player, uh, when I was playing college basketball, there was a player um, I played with, R.P. Gerard Brown, and he was the best player on our team. He was the captain. He was the leader. He was the best player on the team. But it would behoove me. to. I would be lying if I said it was... It was it was cupcakes and rainbows playing with Rod. Rod would curse you out. We Rod got into fights in practice sometimes. Rod would really sugarcoat nothing. Rod would Rod would be a tough player to play with. But Rod was the best player we had. Rod was one of the best players that ever come from our school. So on one side, you understand, all right, maybe maybe I'm a little difficult to play with. And Rod was difficult to play with. I'm pretty sure there are some times Braun is difficult to play with, especially when you're a, when you're a at least all-star level type player and used to the ball. But on the flip side, LeBron James is so great. Maybe you just got to deal with it. Hell, if I had to deal with... If the if I had to deal with LeBron James' personality on the Wizards, I'd take that any day. Hell, 
30 teams would want LeBron James right now. LeBron James is still one of the best players. I think he could be. To, I think he's at least top five. Top five players in the league right now. A lot of people say he's still number one. I would want that on my team any day with all the distractions, all whatever, any day. So, and not to mention, I understand that David Griffin was probably asked these questions. But one, you didn't have to allow, this man went on and on and on. And two, bro, you're the, you're the GM of the Pelicans. Why don't you just say, you know, that was my time. That's how it ended. Uh, and keep it moving. Now, he It's like he just kept going and going and going. And LeBron James did say, you know, sent out a tweet. Uh, you know, Durst's been throwing in my name. Uh, it's, it's, it's time to set the record straight, stuff like that. And even different, David Griffin has something to say about that. So I, I, do, I do agree with David. I will say this. I do agree with David Griffin when, and I've said this uh, on episodes before, that when, there, when something goes wrong with LeBron's team, it's never LeBron's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. LeBron James never gets never gets uh, the blame for anything, even though, even if it could be his fault. The only time I think I've ever seen him get blamed, and rightfully so, was when they lost, I think it's 2011, when they lost the NBA Finals to uh, Dallas. And he disappeared like every fourth quarter. <laughs> but other than that, I haven't seen Bron James, I haven't seen LeBron James get take blame for when they lost to uh, Golden State the time where J.R. Smith didn't understand the clock or anything, which that is J.R. Smith's fault, but they still had overtime to play. And LeBron James quit on his team in overtime. I don't see LeBron James, uh, I don't see multiple times where players have come out and said, you know, it's, it's tough playing with LeBron. Look, I'm not here to to defile LeBron James' name. LeBron James is one of the greatest players to ever step foot on a basketball court. But I do understand. I do agree again with David Griffin that you know LeBron James never gets blamed. But if LeBron James wins, it is always him. It's always because of him. Always because of him. And and I do I do understand where that could rub some GMs, some owners, and some players the wrong way. So. But I don't. I don't think David Griffin had to go that far. I don't think David Griffin had to even do that damn interview like that. But he said what he said, and you know, as much as as you know, as much as he said, there is some truth in it. And he and he even went on uh, the jump and said, you know, it was misconstrued, but there was truth. There were truth in what I said. So, and and a, and a real fan. If you step back, yeah, it probably is difficult playing with Braun. But on the flip side, I will take that. I will take that circus. Same thing, uh, and that's what uh, KD said. I will take that circus any day. Give me Braun. Hell, <laughs> I'd take Braun in a heartbeat. You ain't gotta ask me twice. So, you know, that's that's LeBron James going into his what fifth, seventeenth year. And he's still top five. Hell, a lot of people can argue he's number one still. That that is that's something we've never seen. Ever. So, you know, I take that any day. Hell, LeBron James, if LeBron James on the Wizards right now, we're going to the finals. Book it. So I, I take hey, bring the circus on. I don't care. So David Griffin, 
again, what you said, some of it was true, but you didn't have to say it. I mean, right now you should be focused on the Pelicans. You should be focused on Zion. You should be focused on Lonzo Ball. You should be focused on Brandon Ingram. You should be focused on all that. Well, I don't, you, you don't need to be focused on Braun. It's over with. Boom. <laughs> and sticking with interviews, Mello had a, had a one-on-one interview with Stephen A. Smith on First Take. I believe it was Friday. Now, this interview gave me pause for a couple reasons. One, Mello doesn't really do interviews, like, at all. Mello isn't the one, like, he'll do a, a, a post-game interview and everything, but Mello is not the one to call for an interview. LeBron James would call for an interview. D-Wade would call for an interview. We remember the infamous Jimmy Butler pretty much destroying the, the uh, Timberwolves in practice, and he knew that was going to happen, so he called the jump and called Rachel Nichols for an interview before it even happened. So once practice was over, he just walked right into an interview. There's people and there's players that call for interviews. Melo is not one of those players. Melo is real chill with it. Melo, you don't he doesn't really talk, even though this man's name has been thrown to the mud forever. He 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 doesn't really do interviews. So when they said when Stephen A. Smith said Melo called him to do the interview, I had to pause. I was like, oh shoot, I really need to know what Melo's about to say. And Melo had a lot to say. <laughs> Melo had a lot to say about um, what happened in in Houston, uh, what happened in OKC, what happened just in his career in general. And there's a lot of things I took from this interview. One thing I took from the interview is, golly, Daryl Morey, like, and I believe Melo. I believe Melo wholeheartedly in everything he said because, again, why would you call? Nobody was asking for this. Why would you call for an interview that nobody was asking for just to lie? You know, nobody was like, oh, I need to hear what Melo's going to say. No, nobody was hearing. But he and again, Melo's not the type of person to do this. So I believe wholeheartedly everything he said. So when he was like Daryl Morey just walked in and said, yo, your services aren't needed. That's crazy. Now. We're gonna we're about to get into does Melo deserve a farewell tour now, but I think Melo deserves a little bit more respect than just walking and say, "Yo, your services ain't needed." You say that to a scrub. You don't say that to no future Hall of Famer. And whether you like Melo or not, he is a future Hall of Famer. There's no really if ands or buts about that. From what he's done on the court uh, in NBA to what he's done in, in just in FIBA. Uh, or the Olympics, and what he's done in, for Syracuse. He's a basketball Hall of Famer. Now, is he, if, if it was just an NBA Hall of Fame, that would be a little, we had to talk about that. But basketball Hall of Fame, which is what it is, yeah, he's a basketball Hall of Famer, first ballot. But the first the first thing, like I said, I, I took from it was, dang, Darren Moore, like, you couldn't, you couldn't give Melo a better send-off than that, especially after 10 games? And Melo said, you know, he went straight to Chris Paul to be like, yo, did you know that? Did you know this was going to happen? Which it was weird that he said he went straight to Chris Paul, but he didn't talk to the leader of the team, which was James Harden. You think if James Harden and Chris, if James Harden wanted you gone, you're gone. Like that's how, that's how greatness is. Like if, if Steph Curry, that's why, look, think about it. 
That's why when 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 uh, Katie has great as Katie is, Katie to me is a top fifteen, top ten player ever. They said the the the, the organization said they had to go through Curry to see if Curry wanted them to come on. That's what happens when you solidify your name and you are the face of a franchise. So you think if James Harden was like, no, we want to keep Melo. You think he would, you, he would be gone? No. So I think James Harden pretty much sounded like, yo, we don't, you know, it hasn't been working with Melo. But I think that Daryl Morey could have said it a lot better than he did. Another thing that I took from that what, or took from his interview, which was a really good interview, by the way. If you haven't go, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. But one thing I took from another thing I took from the interview is Melo. Melo pretty much confirmed a couple things. He confirmed one, he had a chance to win a ring because he was going to go to. Uh, there was two incidences, and this I've talked about this, and I believe the episode was called "The Curious Case of Carmelo." But there was two instances when he could have went to the Bulls. He was going to go to the Bulls with Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler and Joakim Noah and Carlos Boozer and all of them, Luau Dang. And then he was supposed to be the third person. It was not supposed to be Chris Bosh going to Miami. It was supposed to be D, uh, D. Wade, LeBron James, and Melo. Now, if, if Melo would have went to, I think Melo would have been more of a fit for Chicago, because if you remember back in the day, Chicago really did struggle on offense. If it wasn't uh, Derrick Rose giving them the offense, they really struggled. They didn't struggle on defense, but Melo would have been the perfect person to just like, yo, we don't need you to play defense, just just score, because that's what Melo did. But going to Miami, I don't know if they would have won, what, two championships, but they definitely would have won one. I'll give you that. That's... Yeah, they would have won at least one. They might have won more than two, but I know at least one. And Melo would have had a ring. But he pretty much said, you know, they were just, you know, there were talks. He was really, he was ready to go to Chicago. And then he said he got information. And then he decided to come or stay with New York and get more money in more years. And same thing as uh, Miami. And I was like, yo, Melo pretty much confirmed that he fumbled the bag three times. I said twice, but three times. Because he didn't have to demand a trade. Well, he could have demanded a trade from Denver, but he could have waited to the end of the season so New York wouldn't have to gut all their good players to get him. He could have went to Chicago and won a ring. And he also could have went to uh, Miami to win a ring. And then I really got me thinking, like, imagine how different we would look at Melo if he won a ring. And this gets me to my third point. Does Melo deserve a farewell tour? When we look at farewell tours, look at all the players that received farewell tours, first of all. The ones that I know, I could be, I could have some wrong, but the ones that I know is D Wade, pretty much Dirk, Tim Duncan, and Kobe. What do all four of them have in common? One, they're all champions. 
And two, they all stayed with one franchise and except for D Wade, but one franchise and did enough for that franchise to deem a farewell tour. Yes, D Wade went to Chicago and went to Cleveland, but he ultimately ended up back in Miami. When you look at Melo's career, Melo will go down as one of the greatest scores to have ever played the game. He will go down as one of the greatest offensive players to ever play the game, especially when we're talking about mid-range scores. I'm not taking anything away from Melo. He will he will go down as the most decorated Olympian ever. Oh, and before I keep going, yo, Team USA, what the hell are you doing? Like I, I you have Larry Shamit turning down an invitation to go to play for Team USA. Yeah, you 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 sent out a press release saying Melo is not invited. Like what the Come on, bro, get it together, man. You might not you don't need to be a fan of Melo, but not even marquee players at this point is dropping out like flies. Y'all need Melo. Team USA needs Melo. I just saw a picture of Brooke Lopez and Bam Adebayo playing for Team USA, bro. And I'm and don't get me wrong. Shouts out to Brooke and Ben, but come on, bro. Come on, bro. Who else? I saw Chris Middleton. Like, he's good. He's an all-star, but you're telling me you can't use Melo? But back to what I was saying. First of all, get, 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 Melo, on, uh, get Melo on Team USA. But, again, those four, uh, D-Wade, Dirk, Kobe, and Tim Duncan... They all did something significant for at least one franchise. When I say at least, I'm really only talking about D-Wade because he went to two more. But he, he was rooted. He's rooted pretty much in Miami. Hell, you got Wade County. That's in Miami now. When you look at Melo's career, again, he will go down as one of the greatest offensive scorers ever. But who would give him a farewell tour? He, didn't, he only went to one conference finals with Denver. He went to a couple playoffs berths or playoff appearances with uh, New York, but he really didn't even make it out the first round maybe once uh, or twice. He did absolutely nothing in OKC. Not to mention, do we, we, let's not forget how New York ended. Now, yes, he still loved in New York, but that didn't end, that didn't end too well. He definitely ain't do nothing in OKC, and he most certainly didn't do anything in my uh, Houston. So when I think of farewell tours, I think you have to have cemented your legacy, not only in the league, but for a team. The farewell tour isn't like, the, the NBA doesn't do a farewell tour. The team does the farewell tour. Miami backed D-Wade's farewell tour. Kobe and the Lakers, the Lakers backed Kobe's farewell tour. Dirk, he had a really quiet farewell tour because it, it was the same year as um, D-Wade, but his was quiet you know, and backed by Dallas. It's like the team does it. The NBA doesn't do it. The NBA is not, it's not their obligation to do a farewell tour. It's a team that wants to do it. And and to be perfectly honest, and how much it, it, it 
and don't take this as disrespect, but who wants to see a mellow, a mellow farewell tour? I don't. I don't. I want to see. Mel- don't get me wrong. I want to see Melo in the league. I think there's a lot of people like Melo. Melo even made a point. You're telling me I can't make a a a twelve man roster on any team. Like I think Melo deserves to be on a team. Melo would be a great vet. He he has to he has to um, really buy. Which I guess he was doing for you know or coming into doing for OKC and for um, Houston, especially Houston. But you have to buy into being at least a six-man. But I definitely feel he deserves to be in the league, and I think he should still be in the league. But, uh, nah, man. It, 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 no. That's, I don't think, and I'll be real, Melo does not deserve a farewell tour. Melo hasn't done anything to deserve a farewell tour, especially in the NBA, and especially for what team? Yeah, he scored a lot of points in Denver, but they only went to one conference finals. Yeah, he scored a lot of points for New York, but he didn't do anything for New York. Yeah, he scored some points in uh, OKC, but remember, he was traded to OKC, and he left, or you know, they, they pretty much got him up out of there. And he only played or stayed for 10 games in Houston. His legacy is not even close to that of Kobe's. He's not even close to that of D. Wade's. He's not even close to that of Dirk's. Not even close to that of Tim Duncan. Why? D. Uh, D. Wade has three championships. Kobe has five championships. Dirk has one. And Tim Duncan has three. No, all champions don't deserve a, a farewell tour. Look at what happened with, with Gary Payton didn't get a farewell tour. Uh, I don't think that... For how it was going, I don't, there's a lot of players in the league. Now, do you, um, Draymond Green ain't gonna get no farewell tour, I don't think. Uh, Clay ain't gonna get no farewell tour. Steph is, but Kyrie is not gonna get a farewell tour from from at this in this moment. But D- Melo hasn't done much to get a farewell tour, and I don't think he deserves it. Do I think he will go down as a great player? Yes, he will. Do I think he'll go down as a, as one of the best offensive players ever? One of the best, at least top 10. Yes, I believe so. Do I think that, or I don't know about top 10, but he'll go down as one of the greatest offensive players ever. But again, and, and, and if I'm wrong, leave it in the comments. We'll definitely talk about it or hit me up. But what has Melo done to deserve a farewell tour? And on top of that, who gives him the farewell tour? Does it is it New York? Is it Denver? And especially how the league's going, and, and those teams are going, I can see him going back to Denver as being like a, a vet and, a, and and definitely maybe a sixth or seventh man. But New York is not incentivized incentivized to win right now. They have a lot of young players. They're still trying to work, you know, through the draft and everything. So why would they bring Melo and he can, he could stunt the growth of a lot of young players. So I don't see him going to New York and I don't see, I, he, he might go to Denver, but Denver has pretty much come out and say, yeah, we're not interested. Because they have young pieces of their own with Jamal Murray and Jokic and they have vets as well like Paul Millsap. So I don't see him, I don't see him 
going to Denver. So who who, who else? Houston, he ain't going back to Houston. We we pretty much saw that in the interview. He ain't going back to Houston. And there's no point in him going back to uh, OKC because they don't love him like that. Hell, OKC's trying to get Chris Paul out of there. You think they want Melo? So, I don't know. I, I could see him going to the Lakers, but that, they definitely ain't giving no farewell tour. So, who's giving Melo a farewell tour? That's all I'm asking. You let me know, man. I don't think he deserves it. He really does don't and this doesn't take away from how great he was as a player in the times he was great, but he don't deserve no farewell tour. At least he, at least I don't see it. So there's that, man. There's there's that. And lastly, talking about interviews, John Wall had an interview. And uh this interview was interesting. You know, he was questioning, you know, he talked about the injury. He talked about his contract and how it was pretty much labeled the worst contract in the league. Talking about his mindset through the injury and his mindset coming back. And one of the great things he said, I'm just paraphrasing, of course, is, you know, a lot of people deemed my, or deems my contract as the worst contract in the league. And he had to sit back and think, dang, did I really deserve this money? And... Yeah, <laughs> he did deserve the money, but this is what you do. And this is what teams, a lot of teams, a lot of struggling teams get wrong. You don't pay somebody, unless, 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 all right, so here it is. You don't pay somebody for what they've done. Or you shouldn't pay somebody for what they've done. You pay somebody for what they will and can continue to do. Unless it's like a legacy thing like Kobe or, or you know, a legacy thing. Or if somebody's been synonymous to the franchise, you, you want to you wanna reward them. But at that point, they're not like superstars anymore. Or they're not, they're, 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 they're not in the, the, the prime of their careers. But in the case of John Wall, what the Wizards did is they paid him not only for what he did, but what they thought he was going to do or thought they can continue to do. No, no, no GM foresees an injury or no, no GM should think, OK, that player's going to get injured before they give him a contract. The problem is. And this is the one thing that I always talk about with the Wizards is you pay, and, and yeah, John Wall deserved to be paid royally. But you pay John Wall knowing his strengths and his weaknesses and knowing that if he got injured, especially a bad injury like a foot injury and an Achilles injury, which just so happened John Wall has, how his strengths will could drastically diminish while his weaknesses will drastically be will drastically start to glare we know John Wall when healthy is one of the most athletic players in the league especially at the point guard position we know when healthy John Wall is one of the fastest players in the league we know 
when healthy, John Wall has one of the best court visions in the league. We know when healthy, John Wall is the best player on, or was the best player on Washington. But what else do we know about John Wall? We know that John Wall can't shoot or is not a good shooter at all. We know that John Wall, it seems like he has a tough time dealing with or, or his commitments on the field, on the court and off the court. We know that John Wall, a lot of players of teammates have come out and said sometimes he's tough to deal with. And we know that what, what happens, look at all the players. Look at all the players that have dealt with an Achilles or a ACL or meniscus injuries that have similar athleticism as John Wall. Derrick Rose. Trace McGrady to, a, to an extent. DeMarcus Cousins, and we'll talk about DeMarcus Cousins a little bit. Players that hurt. Hell, you remember DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs or how he looked in the finals most of the games? Look at Derrick Rose now. Derrick Rose now looks absolutely nothing like Derrick Rose did in his MVP year. Because he relied so heavily on his athleticism. Case in point, look at Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard has relied on his athleticism and his, his strength forever until what happens? He starts getting injured, and especially back and shoulder injuries. And he never adapted the game. So now he's not even on the team. I think he's on the Grizzlies. But the Grizzlies are trying to buy him out. Like, it's, it's, you get to a point where you look at players for what they are, and you have to think accordingly. John Wall, there is a good possibility that John Wall not only will miss this year, which would be pretty much two years that he's not played, but miss this year and, got to put the and, and may never be the same because once you're athleticism and once you start getting surgery on your lower extremities, especially if you rupture an Achilles or tear an ACL or have foot surgery like he has, it could drastically diminish your athleticism. So... I'm not counting John Wall out, but all I'm saying is the, the history is not on his side. And because of that, it will be hard for me and hard for him to live up to that contract. Which is why it is deemed the worst contract in the league. I'm a Wizards fan. That I want nothing more but to see John Wall be as great as he was. But I also understand that even with as great as John Wall was, he constantly went into training camp or, you know, training camp uh, overweight. 
I don't know how many years he's been in the league and still can't shoot. And I don't know how many times I've heard stories of him and, and off the off the court extracurricular activities. I'm not judging nobody from doing that, but when you can't shoot, that's I can't I can't kill Ben Simmons for continuing continuingly not be able to shoot and John Wall's kind of in the same boat. The only difference is Ben Simmons just won't take the shot. John Wall will take the shot and miss a lot. So, you know, I, I another thing that John Wall said that I know a lot of people are going to take into context, but I understand what he's saying is that, you know, you can win a ring, but it's about building a legacy. I understand completely what he's saying, but a lot of people take into the con- take into, take it out of context. Maybe and maybe saying or thinking he said, you know, rings don't matter. I just want to build a legacy pretty much. I don't think he was saying that. He's saying that yes, it's very important to win a ring, but you want to build something. Look at look at um look at John Wall, I, uh, look at Charles Barkley, look at Karl Malone, look at John Stockton. I'm not saying John Wall's in those, in those classes, but they built legacies. Charles Barkley and Karl Malone are one of the best power forwards ever played. John uh, John Stockton's one of the best point guards ever played. They built legacies without winning a ring. Now, when we talk about them, we do always bring up that they do not have a ring. And John Wall would be the same way if he does build that legacy. But I understand where he's coming from. Now, it's going to be tough, you know. It's going to be tough, you know, hearing that. A lot of fans hearing that from John Wall, especially when, you know, with the whole contract situation and the whole injury situation and the whole extracurricular, you know, this man is pretty much... A Rose Bar MVP. So it's going to be tough. A lot of fans hearing that, but John Wall's absolutely right, you know? Like it's, it, uh, it's, 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 it's a tough one. It's, it's, I get the fact that he wants to build a legacy. And he's now determined to prove to people that that's not the worst contract. I wish him the best of luck, especially since he's on the Wizards and I'm a Wizards fan. But it's just tough for me to see. How is this going to go? You know, I, I'm anxious, but I'm also cautious and I'm also worried. So, you know, shout out to them, though. Shout out to them. Uh, before we get off basketball, uh, you know, talk about talk about uh, Draymond Green and CJ McCollum got an extension. Uh, Draymond Green got the four years, 100 million uh, and CJ McCollum got a three year, 100 million dollar extension as well. Which I think are great for not only them, but for the teams. And I think the reason why they got the extensions now is they see the injuries to, to Kevin Durant. They see the injuries that Kawhi Leonard was dealing with. They see the injuries um, that that players are de- LeBron James is dealing with. And I think, especially with KD... That changed the market a little bit. I think with KD, player, if KD would have never got injured, I think players would have been a lot. It would have been a lot more easier for them to just wait 
waiting until the end of their contract so they can arguably get more money and do what they got to do. But because KD got injured and because now it's really uncertain, you want to get money as soon as possible. And yeah, Draymond Green could have got a little bit more money if he would have waited, but why wait? You want to lock him up as soon as possible. You want to be secure as soon as as soon as possible. Same thing with CJ McCollum. You don't for Portland, you don't want to you don't want to mess up and and break what CJ and Dame have going on. When healthy, they can be they probably are. No. When healthy, they are top 5 backcourts in the league and you don't want to mess that up. You don't want to mess that up at all, especially Portland continues to increase year after year. Now, they have been swept the last what 3 years, but you know, it's it's been a, a steady a steady uptick. Do I think that they're good enough to win the championship? No. Do I think that they'll make the conference finals again this year? No. But that CJ and Dane are still pillars that you could build a team around, uh, and, and great pillars at that. And, and Draymond, especially Golden State, after losing KD, you don't want to lose Draymond. You still have a big three in uh, Steph Curry, a healthy Klay Thompson, and Draymond. And now you can add D'Angelo Russell once he fits in. That could be another. That could be a big four. Now, no, it's not on the same level. D'Angelo Russell is nowhere close to the same level as a healthy KD, but I know that the plus and minus with Draymond Green and Steph Curry on the floor is one of the best in NBA history. And that's not something, especially Golden State, that you want to mess up, especially after losing uh, KD. So this extension for Draymond and for CJ works both for not only the team, but also the player. And I think once once that happens, because sometimes extensions only work one way. Like, yeah, you'll get your money, but it doesn't. It really kind of hurts the player more than it helps the team, or it helps the team more than it hurts the player, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I think in this one, in, this, in these two cases, it helps both the team and the player equally. So shouts out to Draymond Green and shouts out to CJ McCollum getting their money. And speaking of getting their money, let's move to football. Michael Thomas finalized an extension with the Saints. Five years, $100 million, $61 million guaranteed. Does Michael Thomas deserve this? Absolutely. Michael Thomas, especially... And I'm, uh, Michael Thomas alongside Drew Brees is one of the most lethal combinations in the NFL. You want to, you want, not only is Drew Brees, Drew Brees is still at a high level, but especially towards the end of last year, he started declining. Yes, he, he is still one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the game, but you want, you don't want his best wide receiver going out the door or, or upset, holding out. You don't want that. So locking Michael Thomas up, especially after he was pretty much getting paid nothing, is, is what you want. Now, this now, you now have to look at players like Julio Jones or like Amari Cooper or like Ezekiel Elliott, who right now is in Cabo. <laughs> Julio Jones is better than Michael Thomas. I don't... 
you can no, I don't think Amari Cooper is better than Michael Thomas, but Amari, Amari Cooper is a good player. Zeke is prob is arguably the best running back in the league. The last person they they say this a lot in sports, which is true. The last person that gets paid pretty much is the market setter. Right now, Michael Thomas is the market setter with five years, $100 million, 61 guaranteed, making him the highest paid wide receiver in the league. Is he the best wide receiver? No. Julio's better than him. Uh, Odell's better than him. Um, there are players better than him. AB's better than him. But, and there's more, but I don't feel like. But, you, I think Jalen Rose says it. You, it's not how good you are, it's how good you can negotiate and what the team is willing to pay you. They were willing to pay him five years, 61 million. So now we're going to have to wait to see what Julio's going to get paid. We're going to have to wait to see what Zeke's going to get paid and if he's going to get paid this year because it looks like, especially with him going to Cabo, he's willing to sit it out as long as it takes. Amari Cooper has already come out and said, you know, I, I don't need to deal with this now. I'm still going to come and play. Same as Dak Prescott. I'm still going to come and play, you know, do what I got to do. We'll, we'll worry about that when we get there. But Zeke, and this is, this, is, this is the similarities to me with Zeke and Michael Thomas. They're both uber important to their team. I guess a slight difference is Zeke is the most, to me, important player to the Cowboys. Michael Thomas is probably the second most important player. I ain't no probably. Is the second most important player to the Saints. So Michael Thomas getting paid, Zeke's looking like, all right, you paying Michael Thomas, but he's not, that important. He's not as important as I am. Pay me. Even though Michael, Michael, Michael Thompson, Michael Thomas is as important. So it's just, it's, yes, I, I feel Michael Thomas deserved the money that he got. But it's, 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 I'm curious to see just how he's going to be, with, uh, how, who, how much Hulu's going to get paid. Or how much Amari Cooper's going to get paid. How much Dak Prescott's going to get paid. How much Zeke's going to get paid. Yes, wide receiver... And, you know, running back and quarterback are different positions. And, of course, they warrant different money. But the last person that gets paid is, is a trendsetter, is the market setter. So it's, 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 I'm curious to see how much they're going to get He's going to get paid. So, um, oh, and Tom Brady got a brand new deal. Tom Brady got a two-year, $41 million extension, and that's well-deserved. I think by the time this extension is over, he'll be, what, 43, 44? And it's just remarkable how Tom Brady is, what, 41, 42, and still when it's just won a Super Bowl and projected to win a Super Bowl again next year. It's, you talk about father time. I, you talk about father time with LeBron James. Father time and, 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 and Tom Brady is, like, non-existent. That man is missing father time's calls all the time. Now, it is because he doesn't get hit that much. Um, he's always been behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. But, hey, you guys extension, go get your money. Shouts out to Tom Brady. Yes, I'm not a fan of the Patriots, but I do respect their greatness. And I do understand their greatness. So, there's that. Uh, but, yeah, those are extensions. Uh, 
Before we get off of the NFL, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to the Hall of Famers that just got inducted. You have Tony Gonzalez, you have Ed Reed, you have Ty Law, you have Champ Bailey, you have Kevin uh, Maywea. May I, I, I probably butchered your name, I apologize. You have Johnny Robinson and Gil uh, Burnett, all great players except for Gil. He was the VP of player personnel for the Cowboys for 28 years. So he pretty much got the Hall of Fame for his front office work. From, I think it was like from 1960 to 1988. And in those, they won like, what, a, a couple championships. So shouts out to them. Um, and, and, and looking at this list, and this ain't about to be no sentimental moment, but looking at this list, it really shows, bro, Tony Gonzalez wasn't the fastest, wasn't the strongest, wasn't the biggest player. Ed Reed was most definitely not the biggest and strongest safety ever. Ty Law, no. Champ Bailey wasn't the best safety. Kevin, whatever the hell is, wasn't the best player. Johnny Robinson wasn't the best player. But all these players were specialists at something. Tony Gonzalez was a specialist at route running, and he can catch the ball. Like, he was, he, he had Larry Fitzgerald's type hand. Like, he was legendaries in catching the ball and not dropping the ball. Ed Reed was legendary in his work preparation and, and, and how much he studied the game and loved the game and did the little things. Hell, he's, he's had interviews talking about the little things, and he was famous with that. Uh, Ty Law, the little things. Champ Bailey, the little things. It's all about the little things, man. The little things get you to the Hall of Fame. Again, I can name, I can name multiple players, at least physically more gifted than Tony Gonzalez. Physically more gifted than Ed Reed. Hell, Jimmy Graham is physically more gifted than Tony Gonzalez. But Jimmy Graham, at least right now, is not touching the Hall of Fame. Because Tony Gonzalez is better. There, there are so many physically gifted players that aren't going to win the Hall of Fame or make the Hall of Fame because they don't do the little things like this core did. So I want to shout out to them. Again, that is Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, Ty Law. Champ Bailey, Kevin May Maway. Again, I apologize for butchering your name. Johnny Robinson, Gil, and Gil Burnett. So, shouts out to them. Uh, before we get to this next topic, I want to talk about my sponsor. Uh, we are sponsored by. So I guess the last topic of the day is we're going to talk about the MLB trade deadline, which came and went, and we have some winners and we have some losers. We're going to talk about two winners and we're going to talk about two losers. Uh, I want to start with the losers because the losers are pretty much go hand in hand, which are the Yankees and the Dodgers. Now, the thing about the winners and the losers, all these teams are playoff, are pretty much playoff locks. But the Yankees and the Dodgers, especially the last few weeks, have been have been struggling. Again, they are pretty much all playoff locks, but the Dodgers have been struggling with the bullpen. They need to increase a lot of things, and the fact that they pretty much stayed put, I understand. You're, they're good enough to make the playoffs, but especially with that bullpen, I don't think they're good enough to win the World Series, and that's what everyone plays for. 
why would you be the Dodgers, especially the LA Dodgers, and not compete for the 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 or, or not even try to um, improve the 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 the, the bullpen? Hell, uh, Noah Syndergaard was out there. They didn't do that. Um, I don't. They just didn't improve. They stayed put. And to me, while yes, they're gonna make the playoffs, they're currently not good enough to stay put. And the same thing as the Yankees. The Yankees are worse. The Yankees have had a starting pitch, a starting problem for a while now, a starting struggling rotation for a while. Yet again, they stayed put, which makes no sense to me. I. <laughs> They made a move. I mean, they they acquired uh, Alfonso Garcia from the Colorado Rockies, but in exchange for Joseph Harvey. But Alfonso Garcia ain't ain't, ain't doing nothing. Like he he's not there. All the good and great free agents out there, they got him. Not even free agents. Great people that were on the trading block, they got Alfonso Garcia, who doesn't do anything. So, you know they. They pretty much, both the Yankees and the Dodgers pretty much stayed pat. And I think that's going to really hurt them, especially come come playoff time. And two teams that did not stay pat were the Astros and the Indians. We'll talk about the Astros getting Zach Grinke uh, from Houston, or from um, the Diamondbacks. The, the Astros have already had a solid, a, they already have a solid rotation they're coming off uh, a championship, what, uh, one championship in the last, what, two, three years? And the Astros are a really good team. Hell, a lot of people have them winning it all coming into the season. So the fact that, and, they're, and they're, um, their pitching has been great too. So the fact that you just add, you, can't, you can never have enough good players. So the fact that you add Zach Grinky to an already solid pitching pitching rotation that just to me right now the Astros should be a front runner to win it all. I know a lot of people still say the Dodgers, but like I said, the Dodgers have bullpen issues. A lot of people think the Yankees are going to win, but they can't get their starting rotation right. Uh, right now, I have Houston. Because of the moves they made, yeah, it's one player and it's one pitcher, but that that just that you can't have enough good players, and he's a he's a all star type player. So you know that you have to you have to give him credit. You have to give him credit for that. Houston made move. Houston made moves when they didn't have to. That is a team that didn't have to make moves, and they did. So you have to commend them for that. Another team that made moves and made a good move was the Indians. Getting Yasel Puig. The Indians don't struggle in offense. I think they're like the 10th best offense in the, in the, in the league. But you add a power hitter and a, and a great player like Yasel or a good player like Yasel Puig, you just shore up that, that offense. Sub-juggernaut pretty much that they have. I mean, 10th in the league is, is incredible. So the Astros and Indians made really solid moves to increase their chances, especially come postseason. And the Dodgers and Yankees didn't really do much to increase their chances of 
winning it all in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, man, that play. You know, the 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 playoffs is what really makes. I mean, it, it makes any sport, but especially, especially baseball. Nobody really watches baseball until the playoffs. You know, we talk about March all the time, but nobody really watches baseball until the playoffs. So, you know, we're it's 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 exciting to see what's gonna happen, especially the moves because a lot of moves were made in the in the in the trade deadline. But I was just talking about the ones that are like really, like boom, you know. So, shouts out to to the Indians and Astros, and I, I hopefully staying put mean you know hopefully staying put doesn't really come back to bite you for the Yankees and the Dodgers so all teams are going to make the playoffs it's just we'll see what happens once we get there and last thing I'm gonna say and I didn't I didn't want to start the show sad and I didn't want to end the show sad but I kind of have to is I wanted to take a moment a moment to shine a light on two people that passed away in or last week which was cliff branch a wide receiver for the oakland raiders uh he was a three-time super bowl champion four-time pro bowler and three-time all first team pro bowl he was uh, one of the great oakland players ever and he passed away at age 50 or 71. And then a story, uh, it's not even a story. Another person I want to acknowledge is Portland State point guard or Portland State guard Deontay Strickland, who was shot and killed at age 22. I'm 25. Um, that's incredibly young. Hell, I'm young. But 22, you haven't even experienced life yet, really. Um, he was a solid player. I don't know if he was NBA bound or anything, but he was a great player. I, from what I was told, or from what you know, reports have come out, he was a great person, um, as well as Cliff. Uh, it's, it's it's tough losing athletes, especially because because being an athlete, you know, it's it's a it's a fraternity. You know, they always say the NBA is fraternity, the NFL is a fraternity, and stuff like that, but. Athletes, you know, they, they, they like to stick together. So um, it's really tough. It's sad losing one athlete, you know, at an older age and one that is just coming into himself. So I want to do a moment of silence for Cliff Branch and Deontay Strickland. Both died last week, I believe. So moment of silence for them. And there you have it, man. That has been episode 60 of the Unpopular Podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank everyone that's watching. Thank everyone that's continuing to support. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please share it. And and just, and I thank you. Again, this is the Unpopular Podcast. I'm sorry for starting off the podcast sad and ending on a sad note, but we got here. And I want to thank people, and I want to thank people that's going to continue to rock with me because this is episode sixty is a small milestone, but I'm going to keep going because I love doing it and I love just expressing myself 
through talking about sports. So, again, this is the Unpopular Podcast. This is your boy, Jalen. Until next time, much love. G Herbo. Y'all nigga been through it all, man. Everything on the sun, man. I do this shit for everybody that come from the struggle, man. The gutter, what I come from, man. That could relate to my struggle and everything I've been through and what I put in to get to where I'm at. Is this shit for who is fuck? Huh? Roaches, rats in apartments, mama smoking, baby starving, pistols loaded, discharging. I grew up in knowledge. Ghetto hell, slums, bottom, what you wanna call it? Nobody role models, everybody alcoholic. The shorties either game banging or they basketballing. Well, niggas get left slain, stinking cause they changed weight. Them kids won't see their moms again cause homie ain't aiming. Damn, the streets changing. These little niggas dangerous. Don't even mask up no more. These little niggas brainless. I got so many fallen loved ones, nigga, out here painless. Don't know when it's my time to go. I keep that, I'm a flaming. Wanna see me dead or broke? I know I need that motivation. Like if I blow my shot, lose everything. I got got my hand out on that block Become everything I'm not Been through that life, I blew that check Lost everything I had That shit just left me looking silly And my mama sad No nigga never gave me shit when I was down bad I was by myself in a six foot room Right there on my ass And now I stack that shit and mean it Like I'm on my last I stay so low from fuck niggas like they on my ass You know if I don't fuck with you, better not cross my path Niggas think it's sweet, ain't seen me in the streets, I been in my back Gotta stay low key, but I can't wait to let them feel my rap Still train to go start doing backstrokes in the bloodbath. We wake up, flame up, pop up, post up, tell don't clap, folks, crack choke. Still lake that kill us for white folks, but the whole sunny fifth rip black yo. Try getting real money, I was 17, I'm 20 now, I'ma take it way back though. Fourth grade, I was trying to be Ivo, shooting ball, playing around, saying rap though. Grammar school shit, been throwing L's up. Never knew where we all headed out for. Young niggas having real life shootouts. Got my grandma house, had to move out. Start rapping one, trying to be a star. I was speaking what I lived, what I knew about. 17 head late was trying to sign me. So I might as well speak. So I flew out, flew back here to see what I was worth yeah. Hit the studio, yeah, I know what I'ma do now Meanwhile, trying to make it in a war zone Matter of fact, let me hold that thought hold My that city know I don't even gotta talk what? Pull up, hop out, white chalk Scott. Now you see me smell money when I walk Humble with it now, I ain't trying to floss Air real street, nigga, take Air a loss street, Took a few bounce back, check it out Hit the X by my name, took it out 150 dream team, I'm the, I'm the boss I came from gambling, toting, rolling, stolen Transportation, police stations Look at me now, tell me congratulations I got this shit straight out the mud yeah, no exaggeration. I just been focused lately. Money got my mind on greatness. Can't stop my grind for niggas, bitches. Extra aggravation. And then nigga can't be with me. I just gotta face it. And nigga ain't your niggas. Read they bodies faces. Don't fuck with snitches, bitch. Niggas catch them bodies wasted. Gotta leave my city too much talent. Catch a body wasted. Get homesick, I'm right back. Where that pipe at? Same shit, snap right back. Yeah, it's like that. The murder. Captured every day, welcome to Chirac Born and raised, homicide on the morning day Red tape, mama's crying, it's just a morning wait Body drop here, probably more than babies born a day Son and daughters dying, all the families torn away The whole judicial system says that how you gonna wait It's just my life, I spit the shit that I was born to say Love or hate me, niggas fight me, bitches wanna date me Say they ain't groupies, they just like me, wanna have my baby 
Trying to trap me, be my wifey, bitch, you must be crazy Bullshit and problems just come my way on the daily Till I'm like, fuck all that shit and just keep getting paper More money, all is paper, solve all the problems later They say more money than more problems, I want all the paper The problems come along regardless, what's all problems? Paper